You're listening to the Puck Authority Podcast. Your go-to source for all things hockey. Welcome to the Puck Authority Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm really pleased to be joined this evening by Armand Klisovich, as always, as part of a fun feature that we uh, are working together on. Uh, and this week, we were really pleased to be, welcomed, uh, to be welcoming on to the podcast both Nick and Kaylee Hutchison from the ECHL and NWHL, respectively. Armand, thank you so much. Not a problem, Justin. All right. So um, since you're the one who actually got me into doing this project, do you want to kind of describe, you know, why we're doing this, how, you know, it came together? Yeah. So um, I've been doing my Adirondack Thunder newcomer series um, this past, this summer. And, you know, I was doing my research on Hutchinson, Hutchinson and I figured, and I saw that he had a sister and I figured would it be great to have the both of them on a show and kind of, you know, be able to maybe, help grow the women's game that way as well with with the um the brother sister relationship right and they're something really special uh, and something certainly to be said for a relationship that uh sticks through not only family but that you know prolongs itself through sport and in this case hockey uh, as we see connections to the echl and nwhl and then their younger brother who is currently with the vermont catamounts and the ncaa and that is something that uh especially for you kind of um cements this story in more than one sense. So, um, you know, I guess to that end, when you look at what makes this project that we're working on so special, what is that really stands out to you? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, we look at the girls game and, you know, it, it one thing that really stood out to me was not only do you have the, the relationship with Kaylee and, and, um, and Nick, you also have, you know, my other series, the Green Mountain Girls, and you have Connor who's coming out of UVM. So everything really kind of started to connect for me, and I and I pitched this to you, and you absolutely loved it and hopped on board. Yeah, I'm someone who, uh, for some background here, though, anyone who has seen our prior episodes, or rather seen, heard our prior episodes of the Puck Authority podcast, knows that uh, I cover women's hockey, both the NWHL and PWHPA, and... Um, Obviously, uh, Kaylee uh, has been someone who I've been targeting for quite some time and uh, working with Lindsay Eastwood and Brooke Avery on the Barnburner TV network. Um, it was a no-brainer to see if I could get another Riveter. And with the connection to Nick uh, with the Adirondack Thunder, which Armand has been uh, covering for us, you know, bringing that, you know, full circle has been, um, you know, extremely rewarding. And I think that, um, you know, we got so much insight and we had some laughs with the Hutchison's and I think that that was um, really special and something to um, you know really endure and encapsulate in a way that we could take away so much um, you know not just emotion because you know they're siblings and they're so close despite the fact that they're so far from one another playing Kaylee is closer to home and uh, Nick is playing uh, in Adirondack, more specifically the Glens Falls area. So uh, to that note, Armand, uh, you've gotten to know uh, Nick a little bit, uh, not just through this interview, but through one you did prior. So do you want to talk about, um, you know, the kind of sense you've gotten from him as a person rather than just a player? Yeah, I think I think when you want to talk talk about Nick as a player, I think you got to look at his Hopi Baker nomination um, in his senior year at Kenesha. I think, you know, being on... Being just being nominated for that prestige, the the most prestigious award in college hockey, says something about not only your game but your mentality, and and what kind of person you're on the on on and off the ice, 
And when I, when I, you know, you get that sense from Nick that he's like a guy who like wants to be a guy who's going to help out in the locker room and also wants to be a guy who wants to make that community impact as well in Glens Falls. Absolutely. And something that uh, while we were talking to the Hutchinsons that they alluded to is the community work aspect, which in the NWHL, they really endorse through uh, being involved with young girls, uh, whether that be through uh, a skating program with which the Riveters are actually installing uh, while at their new home of Montclair State Ice Arena. And then Adirondack Thunder, who in the ECHL, much like junior hockey, there are initiatives that the league will carry out throughout the season um, to make sure that you know, there is uh, a humanity aspect that goes into their everyday lives aside from training and playing. So uh, Armand, to that, um, I guess to that effect, I'll ask you, do you know anything about what those community initiatives look like that Nick and his team have been taking part in? Yeah, I know I know they do a lot of the Glendia. Um, I, I know earlier this year they, 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 they did a thing with the Glen Falls Hospital. Um, but they're out, they're out in the area, they're at Dunkin' Donuts, they're at these little, you know, dinner events, you know, they're at the hospitals, they're, they're getting their name out there, and, you know, it's faces fans can see not only off the ice, on the ice, but off the ice as well. Right, so um, let's now kind of preview a little more um, our conversation with both Nick and Kaylee. Uh, I mean, we spoke about you know, different angles of, um, you know, getting to the pro level from uh, the NCAA. Uh, and that was both for Nick and Kaylee, uh, both who've uh, now reached pro. Kaylee is headed into her second season in the NWHL. And Nick, I believe for him, this is his second year in the ECHL, correct? Well, he technically his first seeing that he only played one game last year. Right. So to that angle, you know, we get to understand what that um, transformation is like. So what was the sense that you were able to pick up uh, from, I guess, both sides, since we did get to understand kind of how both feel in as part of uh, a standard of the game. Yeah, and you know, um, as you as I told talked about, you know, Nick, Nick, this basically came together in like twenty four to forty eight hours for Nick. His last game ended in the He signed the Adirondack and and was up here two days later. So I think, you know, just kind of get that aspect of that crazy twenty four to forty eight hours after that and sign your first contract was something special we got out of Nick and just knowing that he had to support from Kaylee as well is, is huge. Right and again uh, they do keep in touch with each other despite how uh, far they are um, you know as per where they're playing. Uh, Kaylee said when alluding towards her uh, college career and how that's kind of paid off towards where she is pro right now that you know like something I had mentioned uh, into my question uh, to that regard was that you know there's something you you never forget is your college career. And what's really interesting about the NCAA when you compare it to pro is that the resources and amenities towards players are almost, if not completely the same. Obviously the NWHL uh, on the women's side continues to grow uh, in terms of everything, which includes uh, offering amenities, which the Riveters get this season with a new group called Parabolic. Meanwhile, on the other end, uh, you look at the ECHL who, um, you know, they have the, they have, the right player amenities as well and you know these things continue growing and the ECHL is minor pro hockey so they're kind of in the same boat um but you know every year those standards keep changing and you know but that to be said they both realize that you know really what's shaped them is that college experience and that they got to see what they can have in the future but um obviously to a more enhanced um and um you know of course depending on 
where it is they were to land. And now we know that Kaylee is with the Riveters. Uh, she also mentioned that the Connecticut Whale were showing interest in her prior. Uh, but after your conversations with head coach Evo Mochek and general manager Kate Whitman Ennis, she felt more at home with the Riveters organization. Meanwhile, for Nick, he joined the Adirondack Thunder from Canisius College, as you mentioned, Armand. So um, <clears throat> to that end, I mean, what what do you think, you know, I guess part of it obviously has to do with the fact that uh, he wants to stay within the uh, region of New York that drove him to uh, Glens Falls rather than anywhere else. Is that kind of the sense that you uh, picked up from Nick? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, you know, when you start to look at the, put the pieces together in the offseason, you kind of look at what that team was. Yeah, it adds a little bit of source to home for him because you add a guy like Alex, Alex Jacob who's already on the roster. And now the Thunder add another guy uh, in Steven Ruggiero. Um, so he's got two Long Island boys as well on the team. So I think he actually one Long Island boy and then one former co- one former teammate. So I think, you know, being at home and having those two guys alongside him is going to make the transition a lot easier for him. And I think that's one of the reasons he chose Adirondack. Right. And something that um, Nick mentioned uh, previously when you spoke to him is that there wasn't much hockey on Long Island. So not only was this not men's, but this was for women as well. So coming in with the Riveters is something interesting on Kaylee's end because it provides her so many opportunities to be involved with youth girls hockey. Uh, Then there's other women's hockey groups uh, from the non-pro side as well that also play at Montclair State Ice Arena. And the the arena itself also belongs to a university uh, who runs their programs out of that arena. Um, So when you look at that end, you know, how important is that to be able to influence the pro side uh, on the younger side? And that doesn't just go for the women, but the men to continue to grow the game of hockey in, you know, any, you know, way, shape or form. Yeah. And I think, I think Kaylee really hit the head on the nail this one when she talks about, you know, it's not only when you see, you know, girls growing the game, but it's also when you see the guys starting to support the women's game. I think that I think that's something we don't touch on enough is that, you know, we want to grow women's hockey, but we never talk about the male the the male perspective supporting the game as much as we do about, you know, the 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 female the growing the game, women playing hockey instead of you know, more people supporting it as well. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that that's, of course, been really special. Nick said that he believes that that support should be there, should be in place. And obviously they are deserving of it. And, you know, there's no question about that. And it's, again, when we look at growing the game, there are so many ways to do it, but the support must be there. That is crucial. And so, I mean, I, you know, when you look at growing the game in other ways, you look at where the game has been played, where it continues to uh, be played and continue to be an enhanced and for that you look at Nick who's kind of been around a little bit he played junior hockey in the USHL the BCHL and now pro in the ECHL so you know can you speak to you know how that um you know broad strand of hockey has gotten him to where he is now yeah I I think you know he as we mentioned on the podcast as you'll hear um you know he talked about salmon on when he was out there and he and he really mentioned how you know that kind of helped him find his game and I think when you can go to a place and spend two or three years there and be able to find your game and be able to play the, the style of game you want to play and not the style of game uh, your head coach wants to play. I think that's something huge and kind of helps you before you head out for those four years of Canisius. 
Absolutely. And again, it's something you uh, you take away a lot of experience from not only your college days, but your junior days. And I think that's something that probably resonates with uh, both the Hutchinsons. But uh, when you look at Kaylee, she was an alternate captain with the Black Bears uh, heading into her first season of pro hockey with the Riveters. Um, and I believe she was an alternate with the Riveters, as actually seen right behind me uh, in the photo of Kaylee, uh, with credit to Michelle J of the Ice Garden uh, for this one. So, um, you know, how do you transition from um, a role of leadership to um, you know, the pro level, uh, is there a difference? What, you know, what was your takeaway from, uh, that part of the conversation with, with Kaylee? You know, I mean, I think when you talk to Kaylee, it's somebody who's, who's able to take on that, that kind of leadership role, you know, she, she does it in Maine, um, as you mentioned, as an alternate and then comes right, right. I think it's, I think it's even a bigger move when you do it in your, in your first season, um, in the league and having, you know, not only, you know, it's your rookie year, but you have that support of the team behind you. Um, to be one of those alternate captains. Absolutely. So as we start to uh, wrap up uh, this intro portion, again, I mentioned earlier that their younger brother, Connor, uh, is at UVM. Nick is five years older than he is. Uh, and we talk about, you know, an influence in, you know, growing and growing the game but in this sense it's also growing the game within the family and how important do you think that is because they both mentioned that their dad was a huge influence for them so kind of you know I guess almost showing Connor the ropes what do you, you know what do you uh get from that uh, as far as your understanding goes and how special is that when you look at trying to again kind of you know connect the dots or expand the ropes no, I think I think it's huge, and I think what's even more important here, Justin, is the fact that the two brothers now are about an hour and a half, two hours apart from each other, and they can come and see each other play. So you know, when you when you have a kid like Connor who's playing in the in UVM right now, and be able to see Nick at the ECHL level, it kind of gives them an idea of, hey, you know, is this a route I want to take? You know, once I graduate college. Right. So to that end, uh, now on a, I think what we're going to do is we're going to uh, end this with just a short preview of what to expect this coming season uh, on both ends of the spectrum. So starting with Kaylee, we know that the Riveters, again, have moved to Montclair State Ice Arena. Uh, the team did receive some shakeup player-wise this season. Some of their newest members include Emily Janiga, Kelly Babstock, uh, just team a few. Rebecca Russo has returned. Uh, and this gives uh, Kaylee some, uh, you know, extra uh, veteran leadership. And not only that, but Kaylee was connected to uh, Rebecca prior, even though she hadn't yet played with her. So I think that um, continuing to grow that chemistry and uh, getting to learn from uh, other women who have been in this game longer will be um, certainly an extraordinary influence on uh, Kaylee where she is in her young career. But let's take a look on the ECHL side where Nick stands. Who do you think stands out as his biggest um, you know, influence or leader uh, going into the 2020-21 season? I think, I think, you know, I think that first game we saw with Nick in the ECHL, he looked, he looked very comfortable. And I expect, you know, to, when he, you have, even in that, just that tiny bit of experience under your belt heading into a new season, I think that's huge. I expect a huge year from Nick. Um, you know, I, I'm looking for him to put up 15, 20 goals in, in a short and 62 game season. I think he's got the, 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 and he can play two sides of the game. As he said, he wants to, he was been improving his 200 foot game. He's got the frame to throw a hit and, you know, use his body. But he's also got the frame where he can power up and, you know, has a decent shot from the uh, wing. I can be, I can produce offense for Adirondack, which I think, you know, 
they can they can use they don't need because they already have a bunch of goal scorers. But I think adding another guy like Nick and his size, and more importantly, is huge. Right. So now you know we look at the fact that the COVID nineteen pandemic has kind of prolonged getting back towards play. Uh, this is at every level of the game and other sports, of course. And on Kaylee's side, in the meantime, she's pursuing a medical degree at the University of Maine. Uh, and for that reason, she is currently in Maine and mentions that she's uh, she has been and will continue to uh, fly back and forth uh, to join the Riveters, not only for practices, but of course for games. Uh, and Nick also mentioned that he's not yet uh, back in Glens Falls uh, as he is a security guard uh, not playing hockey. So. To that end, you know, what do you know about the ECHL's kind of return to home city plan? They're starting to get everything locked up for December. Um, we have a few pre preseason games officially been announced to get today. Um, but see, they will start the season on December 11th. Um, 13 teams starting um, January 15th um, is when te- the other 13 teams will begin, if there still are 13 teams that decide to um, accept that opt-in bid and don't use the opt-out bid, um, which expires at the end of this month. Um, so I, th- I think it's going to be a very interesting year in the ECHL. I think it's going to be something, you know, sports fans all around should take note of because you have half the league playing 72 games and then another pl- half playing 62 games, which I think is, you know, going to be a lot of fun to watch. Right, and you've spoken with a number of players from Nick to Grant Frederick, the team's newest addition to a couple of others. So um, from your understanding, you know, have have the players started to return yet? And if not, is there an expected date as to when they could return? Um, we did talk to Nick. He did mention um, the end of December, um, which is very, which is, which is the ECHL date. Um, from my sources um, in Adirondack, I have heard that the team is skating. Um, they have about five or six guys that's not as a team, um, but it they are getting on the ice and they are being able to uh, you know get the legs ready. Absolutely, and I know on the NWHL side, all teams have returned to uh, skates. Though of course those are happening in cohorted fashion, so there are two separate groups, uh, and all uh, or most of them rather are happening in groups of at least eight and they can have at least two coaches on on each end for each practice. And so for the Toronto Six, I know that this looks different given they're the first team in Canada and the borders are closed and that's caused a, uh, a great deal of, um, you know, confusion and patience at the same time as to trying to get the season together. So at this time, there is no start date, but there is a start month that they're chasing and that remains uh, January at this time, beginning of January. I have heard rumbles uh, in the past that, uh, March was being looked at as an alternate. However, again, that doesn't really make much sense as you kind of head into the spring months. Then B, it just, you know, it's later the players want to be playing. And so if you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to do January, you may as well not play. So, um, of course, the NWHL leadership, uh, which is now tied to Minya taking over Danny Ryland Kearney, have been insistent on making sure that it is, in fact, January's. Our sources have confirmed um, that, you know, March was almost immediately refused um, upon the short um, window of which that was discussed. So um, obviously we'll continue to keep that updated at thepuckauthority.com 
on Twitter at Puck31. And you can follow both of us as I've sucked Armand into women's hockey as well. Hence uh, this joint project that we are doing. Uh, you can follow him at A. Klisovich and myself at Justin Levine HBS. Armand, thank you for taking time tonight and for uh, also making this project possible. Um, I now call you our second PR man for your um, leadership in pulling this together. So again, thank you for making this happen and thank you for your time tonight. No, not a problem, Justin. Glad to be uh, covering women's hockey. All right, so that kind of takes you through a little bit of a preview of our conversation with Kaylee and Nick. So uh, without, without any further introduction, our conversation with Kaylee and Nick Hutchison. Enjoy. Welcome to a special edition of the Puck Authority podcast. As always, I'm joined by Armand Klisovich, and do we ever have a great episode in store for you? So today we are lucky to be joined by centerman Nick Hutchison from the Adirondack Thunder and forward Kaylee Hutchison from the Metropolitan Riveters in the National Women's Hockey League. Thank you both so much for taking the time to sit and chat with us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Absolutely, a pleasure. Uh, so, Kaylee, I'll start off with you. Um, look, looking at the NWHL, the league has been at odds with the PWPA uh, really since uh, they first came into place. And so, while that isn't suspected to change anytime soon, um, I hope to not put you on the spot immediately, but can you speak to the decision to uh, join the Riveters and the NWHL out of UMaine last season and the front of pro hockey that they have grown in or offering players at this point? Yeah, um, I just feel like both leagues have their own view on how to grow women's hockey. And I felt that my values lined up best with the NWH, uh, NWHL um, and like I personally feel that like women um, and younger girls need to see people out on the ice multiple times a week, like something to look forward to, you know, girls can walk into our games at any time being at one of the rinks with their brothers and see that there's girls on the ice playing hockey and they can become inspired. So that's kind of why I felt more like I felt more suited to the NWHL style and like I said, it's just two different views on how to do it. And um, I feel totally confident with my decision. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like we're looking for the future for girls. And I really feel like with what the NWHL is doing and their, you know, their goals, I really think that that's something that's definitely attainable in the future for future female hockey players. Armand, go ahead. Yeah, um, Nick, um, as we mentioned, you know, um, Kaylee plays in the NWHL. Um, do you think that helps you as a person as well um, expand the, the girls' game, having someone so close to it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Kaylee is, you know, in it every day when she's, you know, training, skating, preparing for games on weekends. Um, it's definitely good to get an insight of what they go through on a daily basis. Um, I know the league is trying to do uh, a lot of things to help, you know, like Kelly mentioned, you know, the next generation of girls to be inspired by uh, these great athletes that are on the ice, uh, the NWHL. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a special, special thing to, you know, have a family member, um, you know, an assistant captain on a team to really uh, showcase how good of a hockey player she is and her leadership skills for that next generation. All right, uh, Kaylee, this season you uh, you make the move to Montclair State as part of a partnership with Parabolic. So having a training facility working with the hockey club, how does that speak to the progression, the progression of player amenities being offered throughout the National Women's Hockey League? 
Yeah, I think it's definitely huge. Um, you know, prior to our partnership with Parabolic, everything's been kind of on our own. You know, we had to leave it up to, you know, players having integrity to work out um, on the side. Um, and then it actually probably put a, a financial burden on some people um, having to pay for their own, you know, gym, trainers. So it provides us with another opportunity to, you know, kind of be treated like professional athletes should be. Um, I think that was a huge step for the Riveters. And I think it's definitely an initiative that's going to trickle down to other teams. And it's honestly just the beginning. I mean, the more money we get from sponsors and, um, you know, advertising ourselves, the more people that want to help us. And then, you know, hopefully we can move from having two practices and two lifts a week to doing it every single day, you know. So this is just a little step for the future, but it's definitely really huge. And I'm uh, happy that the Riveters were kind of one of the teams that kind of started us off with it. Nick, so um, obviously you, you finished your year at Canisius and you, you go straight to the Thunder. Um, now that you've kind of had some time to look back at, 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 at like back 24 to 48 hours, what was that like for you? Uh, I mean, it was definitely, uh, you know, the satisfying feeling, you know, I've been working a long time to become a, you know, a professional hockey player and to finally have the opportunity to do it was uh, something special and I'll never forget it. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, I had a great four years at Canisius and it only prepared me um, to be ready to play professional hockey. I mean, obviously I only got to play one game, but, you know, I had a pretty good first, uh, you know, professional start to my career and um, I mean, I'm just itching to get back on the ice, obviously, um, you know, hoping that that January 15th date is, you know, something that is going to be set in stone soon and, uh, we'll have a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so I, I guess I'll continue on this question. Um, you know, you, you joined the, uh, the ECHL right out of college and Kaylee had already been playing a year in the women's league. And, and we all know that those two leagues are different, but did did you ever talk to Kaylee about like what, what was to be expected um, in your first, you know, couple days out in the pros? Um, yeah, I mean, we had you know, obviously a couple of conversations just about you know, what was, you know, her first couple of days, what was it like in the locker room, obviously um, coming from school, I was one of the older guys, a leader on the team and, you know, coming into the locker room now, you know, there's guys who are five years older than me, guys who are two years younger than me so it's uh it's definitely a different type of mix um but i think it was the group that we had in adirondack uh, they walked me with open arms no one really was uh, negative towards me at all which was uh really nice to you know feel a part of the team right away and uh yeah i mean just i tried to talk to kelly about what it is to be uh, what it takes you know to play at the pro level and you know she gave me some good insights and obviously it uh, helped me uh in my start Kaylee, what was your reaction when you found out Nick would be joining the Thunder? Um, it was honestly really cool. I mean, I've, you know, being his sister, I've kind of seen his journey, um, you know, just to get to play college hockey and then to get to his professional career. So it's obviously really amazing that he got to achieve his goal. And I mean, his goal doesn't stop just the ECHL. He's going to continue to grow. So I'm excited to see that progression in his professional career. 
Um, but yeah, definitely really cool. And now we have two professional players. We're just waiting for the third one, hopefully to get there eventually, our brother Connor. So, um, but it's definitely special to see um, Nick get closer to achieving his goals. All right, Kaylee, I sat down two weeks ago with, with Brooke Avery uh, and Lindsay Eastwood for a women's hockey roundtable. Uh, and obviously, uh, Brooke, your teammate, and Lindsay with the Toronto Six, the newest expansion team in the National Women's Hockey League. So can you speak to me a little bit about the chemistry that you have with Brooke, uh, both as a teammate on the ice and as a friend off the ice? Yeah, well, um, me and Bernie are super close. Um, we actually played together like a few years ago on like some random summer hockey team. And our personalities definitely match perfectly. Um, so that's, it was nice knowing her coming in this season. So it was like an easy friendship to make and continue. Um, playing with her on the ice is just so much fun because like I said, her being one of my closest friends, like I, I'm sure you got a lot of laughs out of uh, talking with Birdie. She's hilarious. So it's pretty much the same thing on the ice. It's like very lighthearted and just so much fun. So on the ice, it's just good to have someone like that. And then um, off the ice, she's just so selfless, like always asking people how they are, um, doing anything to make people laugh. So she's definitely a really important person to have on the ice as well as like in the locker room and just as a friend in general. Yeah, definitely had a lot of fun with her. Um, certainly you kind of, you get that enjoyment that she is as much a person as a player. Uh, and so to hear that, I mean, I'm not even surprised. It just, you know, that chemistry clicks and I can see where that comes from. So um, to that end, uh, Nick, I'm going to ask you a question now, um, turning from uh, women's hockey for just a second to your the junior portion of your hockey career. So as the only as the only one uh, in this chat today residing in Canada, you spent two seasons playing in the BCHL with the Salmon Arm Silverbacks. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that experience was like out in BC? It was one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, obviously, coming from the USHL, uh, I was just looking for a better opportunity for myself to get more minutes and get more experience for uh, teams to see me at the next level. And um, the BCHL was the right option for me. Uh, I mean, I had a great coaching staff and management crew there um, that they believed in me more as a person than as a hockey player, which was something that was um, really special. And I kept close to my heart and, um, I mean, being out in Salmon Arm was a little culture shock at first, but um, I, I loved, you know, that whole Western Canada. I mean, been to Kelowna, been to all over the mainlanders. It was uh, something that I'll never forget, and obviously the hockey is just as good as the USHL. I mean, you can just see the numbers of players that have made the jump from the BCHL to, you know, the pro ranks, the college ranks. So, um it's definitely a great experience for me. I would uh, always recommend saying to uh, any player that was at looking for a uh, new opportunity to play. And how would you compare your experience uh, in Salmon Arm to that of your time in the USHL? Was there, uh, you know, a significant difference uh, between development styles or just, you know, can you kind of explain the thought process into uh, joining them? Um, I mean, in... Uh, I kind of got in Sam in uh, Tri City. I kind of got exposed to the business side of hockey pretty quick. Um, uh, with my first twenty games, the coach that drafted me, the coach I had a really good relationship with, uh, ended up uh, getting let go. 
and uh, there was a new coach that came in, and uh, we just didn't really see eye to eye on uh, uh, a couple things. The way that he wanted me to play, the way I thought I was uh, know how to play the game. Um, and then uh, like I said I was just looking for a better chance to you know get more minutes and uh, showcase my skills. Um, and like I, said, I felt more uh, respected as a person in seminar than in Tri City, but. Um, I was just, uh, I mean, both leagues are good hockey leagues, obviously. You know, top guys in the NCAA, it's, it's a great opportunity to make the jump to, you know, top schools and top team, hopefully, to the NHL. Um, but every person has a different uh, route. That's the great thing in hockey is there's no one direct way. So, um, I mean, the BCHL was the right way for me. And, uh, I mean, that's all I could really talk about that. All right, that you know that's that's more than fair enough. I'm not so familiar with the USHL, but I am familiar with junior hockey in Canada from uh, the CHL to the BCHL. So I uh, get some insight onto that end. So Armand, off to you. Um, Nick, we all know um, with the whole COVID nineteen pandemic, um, there's been a big uncertainty about um, what the fans are going to look like this season. Um, the ECHL just um, signed a, a deal with a new streaming service. How important do you think it is that you know there there is a streaming service for 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 a, for a small league like the ECHL? Uh, it's huge. Obviously, you want to. Have, I mean, I know the support in Glens Falls is awesome. Um, the town really is behind the team, and but obviously, if we can't have you know full capacity or half capacity, whatever it may be, the arena it's hopefully good that people are still support the team by watching online or however they can find a way to watch the game um obviously just like kelly talked about with the riveters you want you want to touch as many you know lives of the next generation that you can and you want to obviously be able to um let people see what you've been working for for these past you know all the years and with covid obviously it just gives another outlet for people to get away from uh, the, the struggles in the real world and watch uh, a couple hockey games. All right, uh, Kaylee, back to you. So while there's uh, some looming uncertainty as far as the 2020-21 season goes, all games for a second season are being broadcasted each weekend on Twitch. Uh, so bringing in Tyler Tuminia, part of her job is to get the league on a network rather than streaming service. So as we speak to growing the game, can you talk about why for women's hockey exposure through media continues to be uh, such a significant thing? Well, I think right now, you know, people don't really get to see it because there aren't a lot of streaming services. So us being able to use Twitch last year was huge. And like, even just for like the all-star game, we had thousands of people on watching. Like that just goes to show, you know, how many people are watching women's hockey and care about it and if it's put on a you know a network or a different broadcasting service on like tv you'll see that more people are going to watch it it just has to be available to them and that's what ty's mission is and you know twitch was a huge step for us and i'm, I'm pretty sure we're still working with them through this next season um but we're definitely appreciative of what they've done and we're looking forward to you know taking the next step and if we can get on TV, you know, that's going to be huge because people just need to see it. Like if only if like a thousand people are watching on Twitch or 10,000 people are watching on Twitch, 
put it on TV, the, the numbers are definitely going to double because people are going to be interested and now they have easier access to it. They just have to turn it on their TV. So um, I think that'll be really huge for us. And I have full um, confidence in Ty. She is a great pickup for us and she definitely knows what she's doing. So she's going to be huge for growing the league for sure. And so to follow that up, um, you know, that says to me that you really believe in the model or rather um, well, the word's failing me. So I'm just going to use the word model right now uh, that if you can see it, you can be it. Uh, would I be right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. It just needs to be out there. And, you know, I mean, the NHL started at this point one time um, and now look where it is now. So it's just taking all the right steps um to making it happen so we're getting very very close so i'm very confident that that's going to be something we have in the future absolutely i think with tyler Tumania, there's no question i mean danny ryland you know what she's done is unbelievable but having tyler too in her experience i have no doubt that this only gets stronger from here yeah absolutely so um nick you know when i was watching your first game um there's a lot of things that stood out to me and one thing that um i haven't seen in a while that 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 you that you um showed me was that you're a guy who's not who can not only can throw a hit but also has a lot of offensive abilities um would you consider yourself more of like a power forward and be able to play that full two-way game with such a big body yeah absolutely i mean i definitely have you know the, the frame to be a power forward um and obviously getting a little taste of pro hockey um you know, it was like i said i was only in adirondack for four days or so um you know just being able to feel confident and feel strong against guys who are playing uh, in the league for a long time and only has given me more confidence and i mean i definitely have worked on trying to complete a 200 foot game um and i also like to put the puck in the net just like this is everyone else um but i think my abilities and my commitment to uh, how I want to play the game the right way is definitely going to benefit me in, uh, in my pro career. Uh, um, so, Nick, you know, one thing that's really caught my eye this year um, in the ECHL, there's been a lot of college kids um, signing in the ECHL. Um, do you think that's because of all the uncertainty going around with what college hockey is going to look like next season and maybe players want to make that jump sooner rather than later? Um, yeah, I mean, I think guys are, I mean, obviously this, this is probably the weirdest time in a lot of people's, uh, you know, life. So, um, and just to see the, the chance of guys not being able to finish their, you know, senior year at school, I think guys see it as an opportunity to make a jump to pro and hopefully get that chance to showcase uh, their skills and ability on the ice. Um, but I mean, I know, I think that I, there are a bunch of leagues who are starting soon. Uh, I don't know when the start date is for uh, every conference or uh, league, but um, I definitely think if guys feel that they can make the jump and they aren't uh, going to be playing this year, I think uh, might as well, right? This is what you've been working for, and now you have the chance to do it. So, All right, uh, Kaylee, so uh, back to you again. Uh, so to this end, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about your uh, collegiate hockey career now as – those are said to be some of the best uh, years of uh, a player's uh, hockey career at all. So 
Um, with that uh, in mind, let's take a look at your time with the Black Bears where you played out uh, your collegiate hockey career. The NCAA is known for professional standards for all athletes uh, with the Wisconsin Badgers, among other schools, uh, specifically being known for that. So as you compare what you had and how you had it there, how has that changed since making the jump pro in the National Women's Hockey League with the Rivers? Um, I think that there's really nothing quite like playing college hockey. Like you said, it is like the best years of hockey. Um, and obviously playing, you know, professional for the Riveters, like I said, we only have like two practices a week and two games. Um, so I feel like in that sense, it's different because I'm not at the rink 24 um, seven. It's kind of, it's especially now with COVID, it's harder to make connections with teammates. Like you're really only at the rink for a certain amount of time with them. Um, but, you know, last year's season was really great and it's awesome to play hockey and not have to worry about school, although I am in nursing school, but um, just to, you know, play and get paid um, is really awesome. Um, but yeah, playing at Maine was a really special time and I definitely miss being at the rink and only really focusing on hockey for certain parts of the day. Um, and it's tough only playing a couple days a week, but um, still both experience have been really great for me. And how are you managing to balance that uh, nursing school uh, work along with uh, playing hockey with the Riveters? I don't know what practices look like right now, given that we are in a time of COVID, um, but um, how, do, how, how does one make that work? Well, it's a lot of time management, um, like figuring out when to work out or, you know, um, do things on your own. So for me, like my tough days are usually like Tuesday, Thursdays. I have clinicals those days for 12 hours. So like last week, I, you know, got up at 4.45, went for a quick run, and then was at the hospital till 7.30 p.m. and then flew to New Jersey from there and then jumped right on the ice to practice. So those days are definitely hard, um, but I love doing both. So I make it work and I don't mind making myself crazy <laughs> to do it. But um, some days are harder than others, especially like when I have like midterms or finals during those um, tough weeks, but um, it's definitely worth it. Um, so it's been, it's been pretty good. You're a real trooper for doing that. That is, when you put, when you put in perspective, that is insane, but at the same time, insanely awesome. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. So, um, Kaylee, I have to ask, you know, um, the NWHL, you know, you're, you got drafted, um, take me through that just drafting experience for you. And I mean, I guess for you and Nick as well and the whole family. Um, well, I was actually taking midterms at the time and I was studying. So I didn't, I didn't want to watch the draft because I wasn't really sure if it was going to happen or not. I know that the Connecticut whale were very interested and so were the Riveters. Um, so while I was studying, um, my coach called me and he was like, I have some news for you. And I was like, okay, what? He's like, you're the first ever Black Bear to be drafted to the NWHL. And I just like froze for like, honestly, probably a minute. I was just like, what's going on? Like, I can't believe this happened. And it was like a really big year too, because like some of the Olympians were still in school and getting drafted to the NWHL. So to like be considered 
amongst all those athletes and to still get drafted was really really amazing especially since I'm not like a super flashy player like I'm a very hard worker get a few goals here and there so it was really um special accomplishment and I beat my brothers to it so <laughs> that was a plus <laughs> all right Nick um again I'm uh I mentioned earlier uh your time in the USHL uh and you spoke about the decision to uh, move to Salmon Arm and how that impacted you. Um, but, you know, I guess if there's something that stands out to you over your entire uh, career of junior, um, is that something that you'd be able to uh, reflect on? Does anything immediately come back um, from whether it's BCHL or USHL? And uh, I guess, how has that memory impacted where you are now? Oh, I mean, I definitely have had uh, just some great people that who uh, still support me to this day. Um, I mean, I still talk to my billets from Tri City and my billets from uh, Salmon Arm every once in a while, and um, I still keep in contact with the coaching staff and management team at Salmon Arm. Um, it's just the way they, I was treated as a person, really in Salmon Arm, just uh, made it just made my whole experience that much better. Um, and like I said, I've always said if anyone would like to go to Salmon Arm or somewhere in the BCHL, go do it because it's a beautiful place with a lot of great people. Um, and I, I had the best experience out there. Um, Kaylee, so um, when I talked to Nick uh, about a month ago, um, he mentioned how, you know, hockey wasn't huge on Long Island. Um, for you specifically, was it hard finding a girls' league, or were you playing with the boys um, for the first few years? Uh, I actually started on a girls' program. I was pretty uh, girly when I was little, and I was a figure skater for a while. And I was actually chasing Nick around a rink in my figure skates and ended up breaking my arm, and I swore I would never skate again. And then uh, we found this girls' program back in, like, 2009. Um, so that's kind of where it really got started. And then I I got better um obviously we were lucky to have one girls team on Long Island but like the depth really wasn't there and when I felt like I needed a push I switched to the boys teams on Long Island and then I went to Northwood school in Lake Placid for high school um just because I wasn't getting enough exposure on Long Island playing with the boys and um so I went to Northwood to kind of get myself out there on the map and start getting recruited by uh, colleges. Um, Long Island University um, just last year um, started up their hockey program. Um, I guess a lot from the two of you, what's it like now knowing that there's a there's a college hockey team on Long Island? Um, I'll go first. So I think for women's hockey especially, it's so huge because there are a lot of girls on Long Island who play hockey. Um, and, you know, we're close to Long Island, but not super close. So, like I said before, like having people or having female athletes constantly playing in ranks where there's girls going to be watching is huge because now they see that just from your Long I just because you're from Long Island and there's um, not a lot of hockey, like you do have some of the top female athletes performing on Long Island and playing Division One hockey. So it helps them kind of actually visualize that there is a chance for them to go on and, you know, play division one sports as a female hockey player. So I think that's huge for girls. And then Nick can talk about, I guess, the more of the boys side. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big thing for hockey players around here. Obviously, there's a number of youth travel teams, uh, a couple of junior teams that are close in the metropolitan area, and I think it's just another outlet for kids to say, hey, if I could you know, get to the college hockey level and stay at home on Long Island, or it's actually could bring more kids to Long Island for that chance, it's uh, – Obviously, pretty special. I mean, it would have been something I would have considered um, if they had a team when I was going through my process of trying to decide what school I wanted to go to. Um, but I think it's a great opportunity for LIU to you know, get a great number of kids just from this area alone. Uh, like I said, there's a number of teams, number of programs on this on the island, and it's uh, only going to help the game the game grow. Uh, so much more around here. All right, Kaylee, you look around the NWHL and you see the display of male leadership and coaching roles from Paul Mara to Jack Brott to Evo Mochek, who I understand has a passion unlike the others. Can you talk about the work that you put in with him and what Mochek means to both yourself as well as your teammates? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of times there's men in women's sports and they don't necessarily you know, want to grow the game. And, like, I feel like Evo kind of is, like, the epitome of what it means to grow women's hockey um, and to support it. And especially as someone who played professional hockey as a male, like, you know, he knows what he had and what we don't have. So I feel like every day he puts in the work to try and help us get to the point where we're equal to male professional athletes. Um, and I think that's really special and you can see it in how he coaches and I don't know if you've ever watched a Riveters game of him screaming at different calls, but um, that just shows, you know, he's very passionate and he does that with everything he does. So I think that's really important because he does that to help us off the ice, does it to help us on the ice. Um, any way he can, he's always putting like 110% of um, passion and uh, effort into what he does for us. So definitely really appreciative of what he does. Kaylee, um, Justin mentioned earlier, you know, um, the Riverdeers make, make, make the move to um, Montclair State this season. Um, when you look at Montclair State, you know, you have, you have the women's, both the men's and women's um, hockey teams there. But as well, you have a few girl programs there, including, you know, the Quarry Cats and, you know, the Montclair Blues program, which my sister played in. How important is it to have have that as your home ring, to have so many grounding you guys, um, to just grow the game and have it right in their face every, every time they walk into the arena? Yeah, I mean, I just chose to show, um, you know, the NWHL's, you know, impact they want to make on youth girls' programs. And, you know, we couldn't have – a better home like you said people are going to walk in they're going to see it girls are going to be warming up for their practices and see us working out in parabolic um so it also kind of leads them into you know helping them figure out how to get to the next level like because we're working out with parabolic a lot more girls are going to be like oh i need to start doing strength training to help my game rise to the next level and then they can see what a female professional hockey team goes through on the daily practice day um, and then they can start preparing and really looking into what they want because they're going to be able to see it um, and see if uh, that's something they really want. Um, and then just for girls who re don't really know who are just there because their brothers play for the Montclair Blues or 
whatever other teams are out there, they're going to see it. And then um, they're going to want to go and do the same thing. And I think it's hard. Like I remember going and watching Nick all the time and my little brother Connor play, and there was no girls teams around here really to, you know, look at and be like, Oh, I can play hockey. It's not just a boy sport. So I think that shift is really, really cool that other girls who are following their brothers around can get a chance to, you know, play a sport that they um, is really important to their family too. So I think it's cool for sure. And Kaylee, can you take me through, you know, with, you mentioned the practice day compared to game day. Can you take me through, I guess, the differences between uh, what those both look like, especially considering that you mentioned that you fly out to New Jersey and uh, this and that with parabolic and then hitting the ice. So how does that all uh, work out and, uh, when you separate the two? So practice is, you know, we come show up for workout and then we're on the ice for an hour and 15 minutes. Um, game days, we travel as a team on the bus together. So I still have to travel to New Jersey, then to go on a bus to go to Connecticut and Boston. So it's a little extra driving for me on game days. Um, or I, I have the option to, if we're like flying to Minnesota, I can fly out of an airport closer to me. Um, so it's less traveling for me. Um, but um, I would say the difference is that I get to spend more time with teammates on game days compared to um, practice days, especially now with COVID, like we have a certain amount of time we can be in the locker room. We only have a certain amount of players that can be in the locker room. So I'm not seeing everyone as much as I used to. So game days when we start, I'm sure will be much better for building like team chemistry and being around the team more. Right. And the NWHL uh, had mentioned uh, after unveiling uh, the January timeline, the different um, steps to getting there. And that included mandatory workouts beginning October 19th, uh, meaning full team. So as of right now, uh, everyone who has been announced to have been signed, uh, is it full team? And are you guys, you know, I guess, how many times are you practicing a week? Um, we're still practicing two times a week, but it is mandatory. Um, so since November 19th or all right, October, whatever the date was, we've been uh, working out and practicing on Tuesday, Thursdays. Um, and unless like someone has like a prior commitment that they um, mentioned to like coach, like for me for Tuesdays, I um, don't go to work out because I'm usually in the hospital. So, and he's okay with that. And then I just make up the workout. We get the workout on our phone and we can just do it at home. Um, and then I would just come to practice with everyone else. So that's kind of when, like, in the mornings before I go to the hospital, I'm doing the workouts um, to um, go to practice because it's then holding me still to the same standard as everyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. Kelly, um, Nick, when I was talking to Nick, he said there's something special about playing in your home state. And, you know, you know, now you guys are playing in New Jersey, and, you know, there's the Rivers have been moving homes. But how, how special is it for you to be playing so close – so close to home um it's definitely really special especially since like Maine I was like 10 hours from home and when I played in Northwood it was still like five and a half so um it's definitely special because now I'm seeing like more family have the opportunity to come watch me play live than like watching me online for you know my college hockey games um and then it's just special for me too like I coach um a summer spring um, tournament team with my best friend we run it together and like I get to have those girls come and watch me play 
Um, you know, we have girls from all over the country, so that's always really special. And it's, I'm sure it makes the girls want to listen to me a little bit more when they like see their coach um, playing and, you know, doing what we're trying to teach them. So I think that's pretty special. Um, but just definitely being close to home helps a lot just to, you know, get my family there and, you know, see them in the stand. So that's really special. All right, Kaylee, something that stood out to me uh, while talking two weeks ago with both Lindsay and Brooke was the fact that Eva and Kate worked together to recruit Brooke from Syracuse to sign with the Riveters. So reflecting on this process for you uh, from UMaine, can you share how that conversation went, Kate's vision for the game, and for you, why the Riveters? Because you mentioned that the Whale also had interest in you. Yeah, so Kate, actually, at the time that I was drafted, was one of the coaches. So she was one of the... Um, big influences on me getting um, picked in that draft um, and I think from Kate you know being a coach to go into the GM position she kind of knows how it all works and um, I think Kate's mission is always just to you know bring girls in who you know want to grow the game who are hard workers and um, will do anything to you know win and I think that's kind of like the Riveters real vibe i mean if you look at all the players like even to madison packer who is super skillful she will always give 110 percent to the final whistle and that's kind of the style i think she wanted to go with and she had faith that i could you know fulfill those um you know requirements for, of me so i definitely feel like my player style fit best with the riveters but um i think that the riveters just got to me first compared to the whale because we had the last pick and we had the one before them so right that makes sense um nick let me touch on this and i think i touched on it before um but you and steven ruggiero um both long island boys um now both playing on the thunder um what, what's he what's it gonna be like having two long how are you excited to play alongside him this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we have a pretty good relationship from growing up on Long Island. Uh, our paths have been pretty different. Um, it's funny how we we have come to you know playing pro hockey together. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be a special thing, uh, obviously, to play not only with him but with Alex Jekyll, uh, who I was a really good, still really good friends with from uh, Canisius. It's uh, it's nice to be familiar with guys that are on your team and have that chemistry already. And we're not even on the ice or in the locker room together. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously two Long Island guys playing in New York. Uh, hopefully we can bring a little New York attitude to the locker room and, uh, you know, help our, the Thunder win as many games as possible. Yeah. You know, you would have to say, you know, it's a small world because we have Kelly here, here who, um, who went to Maine and, you know, you have another forward in Ryan Smith, who's a rookie. Um, coming out of Maine this year as well. Um, is there any relation, any, you know, have you, Kaylee, I have to ask, have you seen Ryan play, you know, and maybe his name caught your eye when he signed with the Thunder? Um, yeah, me and Ryan actually went to high school together as well for a year or two at Northwood. So I've kind of seen him grow too as a player. So um, he definitely has grown so much since the time I saw him at Northwood to when he played at Maine. I'm pretty sure he was a, high impact player for Maine last season. Um, so I'm sure he's going to keep using that momentum that he's been, you know, getting better every single year and he's going to bring it to the Thunder. So I'm sure he's a definitely a great add for the roster for them. 
Kelly, with COVID-19 holding back many sports and other events throughout the last seven months now, the New York Islanders, in conjunction with their partners, put on a virtual girls hockey webinar this year via Zoom. And with the NWHL being a partner, you got to take part and in doing so, help to grow the game uh, and get it, you know, obviously more engaging uh, with the young fans. And uh, so, again, uh, as I wrote and didn't clearly state, so let me try and uh, fix that a little bit. I was understanding that, that was kind of a younger crowd um, taking part in that with, uh, you know, several players such as yourself. Uh, I also believe Michelle Picard was part of that from what I heard. Um, but uh, anyways, that to be said, being a leader in, uh, in that way while keeping in mind that if you can see it, you can be it, uh, the motto. Um, what does it mean to you to be in a position that these younger girls can uh, look up to and aspire to be where you are? I think it's really special, especially coming from Long Island. I didn't really have many female role models to look up to. Um, now we're seeing more girls coming from Long Island who are super successful and going to D1 schools. Um, so I think being one of the people that can provide an outlet for them and just someone to kind of want to be is really cool. Um, because when I grew up, like my favorite players were, you know, New York Ranger players, like they didn't have the NWHL till 2015. Um, so, like I said, I really love how, you know, with the NWHL, we give these girls someone to watch and look forward to um, watching every single week. We get to get our shirt jerseys and our jerseys with our name on it. Um, and even some boys too, like it's special to see the little boys in our stands too, wearing uh, a Packer jersey. Um, that just goes to show how much the game's evolving and um, the respect that, um, you know, men and younger boys too are having for female hockey players. Absolutely. And I think that's really vital uh, to the growth of the women's game. And again, it's not just for little girls, it's for everyone. So to have, uh, you know, young boys out there too, I think that's just as important. So I'm going to go into a uh, follow-up question that's not so directly related, but um, perhaps can connect a little bit. Uh, while you were in school, the, the, WA, the NWHL since has been around. Um, so what was your sense of familiarity with the NWHL while you were in school? Were you watching it? And if not, were you watching the CWHL just to kind of get a sense of where you were uh, in understanding with pro women's hockey? Um, I definitely was watching both the CW um, and the NWHL. Um, um, when I first heard about the Riveters, like they were based out of Brooklyn. So that was even closer to my hometown. And I was just kind of like, this is what I'm going to do. Like I always tell people like it was so hard when I first got to play at Maine because you work your whole life to get to this position. And then there's, you know, it's like, what do you do when you get to what you wanted to accomplish? So the NWHL starting in my freshman year of college kind of gave me something else to want to work for. Um, and, you know, even though I was 18 years old, you know, seeing female athletes play professionally and get paid to do it, um, you know, definitely was inspiring to me too, even though I was older. So I'm sure, um, you know, having that for girls who are younger now too is huge to grow the game. Nick, I guess we'll, we'll start this question with you. Um, we all know COVID-19, the travel already is, is rough in, in the in the ECHL. Um, and also in the NWH, but let's let's focus on the ECHL right now. Um, when you look at the North Division, you got Adirondack, Maine, Brampton, Newfoundland, um, Reading, and and Worcester. You know, it for Maine and 
and and what's your it, it's a it's a three hour drive you know a little bit further for Reading um you know do you think it helps um the ECHL you know having maybe such a tight conference um, besides the two Canadian teams. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you want to keep uh, the travel as down as much as you can just to make sure your body has enough time to, you know, recoup and get ready for the next night or the next opponent, wherever it may be. Um, I'm obviously playing 62 games this year now or 72 games, whatever it is. So it's going to be a little bit uh, a little bit different than playing 32 college games. So that's going to take uh, a little bit getting used to. But, uh, yeah, I think it's as long as the travel is not too far, I mean, obviously you're going to have some weekends where you have to travel uh, a, a great number of hours, but um, it's just obviously part of the part of the job. So um, you just try and do everything you can to prepare and make sure you're taking care of your body on those bus trips and making sure you're ready to go uh, for the weekend. Really, um, the NWHL, you know, you look at, at the Riveters, you have Boston, you have, you have Connecticut, and, you know, it's an hour flight out, out to Toronto. Um, you know, the, despite COVID, it's got to be nice having these teams, you know, somewhat close by. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, like I said, like I really do enjoy still being able to have bus trips and um, being able to fly is a lot easier to Minnesota than having to drive. So that's definitely huge. Um, and Toronto's not too far from, you know, where we've been playing, you know, the past year. So I think that uh, it's it makes it much more accessible for us to play these games um, during the pandemic. Um, I have to ask, you know, we've seen before the Riveters, you know, the partnering with, with the Devils, um, which I think was a great thing for them to grow the game um, before the partnership ended. Um, do you hope to maybe kind of grow that same kind of relationship with Montclair State um, moving forward? Yeah, I mean, any, you know, college or professional team that's willing and um, excited to work with uh, female hockey players is huge. It's just like I said, another sponsor or another outlet to grow women's hockey. Um, we obviously hope in the future that maybe, you know, we can get back and working with the Devils or maybe with the Rangers and the Islanders. We've been really working really closely with them the past year, uh, doing a lot of events for, um, you know, their initiatives to grow women's hockey. Um, so, you know, we have Boston who works with um, the Bruins and the Whitecaps who work uh, with the um, Minnesota Wild. So I can definitely see the other teams starting to piggyback off that too. Right. And when you talk about, uh, you know, the work that you guys have been doing, how vital do you think it is in addition to the fact that there's now the Women's Hockey Partners Investors Group for private ownership to uh, have, uh, you know, some sense of NHL backing uh, in addition to the fact that if you look back to when the CWHL first collapsed, the 50 million or so that was uh, given as um, a support fund for the CW end up going to the NW, uh, which is now $100 million as the NWHL had the other half of that. So how important is, um, you know, some sense of NHL backing uh, playing into, uh, you know, the further the furthering developments of the National Women's Hockey League? Um, I definitely think it's huge. You know, when you look at, you know, for example, the WNBA, the support they have from the NBA is, you know, unmatched in any other um, female sports league. 
Um, so I think that's a good model to base off of and just seeing that support from the NWHL, I mean, excuse me, the NHL for the NWHL is definitely a huge, you know, step in the right direction. And then in terms of us working with the Rangers and the Islanders to, you know, do um, their girls hockey initiatives, that's, that's something we would do regardless, you know, if we got support from them or, you know, money. Um, but, um, you know, if we had a chance to work with them, like we did with the Devils, that would obviously just be a bonus. But again, like that, us doing those things are just to help, you know, keep growing the game as much as we can. Absolutely. Cause that's, you know, that's ideally what it comes down to. Um, but I decided to kind of get your thoughts, given that, again, we saw the Devils partnership dissolve and now hearing that, uh, well, or well, knowing that the Rangers are being involved and hearing that the Islanders were too. Uh, it's going to want again understanding of you know i guess again like you said the bonus that that would be to have their backing in exchange for you know the um partnerships that you already have through initiatives so uh again i think that's awesome and you know here's hoping that that happens but uh knowing that the women's hockey partners investors group is now in effect from danny ryland and uh colleague ksenia as far as i understand uh at this time i think again it's an important step forward for the women's game so i'm excited to see where th where that goes Thank you. Kaylee, I've asked a lot of people. Um, I do my series, um, Green Mountain Girls, um, where I highlight um, female girls who have come out of UVM or were born in the state of Vermont. And I asked them one question. I want to ask you this. Um, when you look at women's hockey as a whole, you have the PWHPA and you have the NWHL. Do you believe that those two leagues at, at some point have to come together uh, to make one, one league for the girls? I mean, yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, you know, I don't know when that would happen, or I hope sooner than later, because there are a lot of skilled players in the PWHPA as well as the NWHL. And, you know, mixing those two groups would definitely, you know, be a huge step and, you know, you know, making the game faster and more competitive. Um, but like I said, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I know that, you know, both leagues are, you know, have mentioned that before, that that's the direction that we hope to be in. Um, we just need, you know, the league leaders in both leagues to kind of see eye and eye, and hopefully we can uh, get that done sooner than later because, you know, the sport needs the top players playing together. You know, that's the only way that, you know, the best can be with the best. So I hope that in the future, sometime sooner than later, that we, you know, get in that right direction. Absolutely. And right before this podcast, I had just gone off Zoom with Corella Mard, who uh, was uh, a leading voice from the board uh, of directors or however their, their board is structured um, there from the PWPA, who said the same thing that, you know, ultimately it comes down to, uh, you know, the WNHL um, or just some form of women's league and having the two sides both come together but to that end i want to ask you and this might be a difficult question in doing so um do you think that that can be done in separate entities or do you believe that um i mean despite the fact that you're in a solid position right now in the nwhl do you believe that the nwhl has to collapse or that it can kind of exist as a co-entity and maybe as kind of you know an ahl kind of thing uh whereas the nhl has that um, that's definitely, I haven't been asked that before, so it's a little hard, but um, I don't think that our league needs to collapse. I think, like I said, I obviously, you know, believe in what the league is doing, and I believe in all the women 
and you know leaders that are part of our league that are doing the right things to step in the right direction um so i don't think that really answers your question but the only thing that i can answer is that i'm really proud to be part of the nwhl um and you know i'm not knowledgeable enough on what the pwhpa is doing and their goals and missions um so i can't speak about that either but i do know that from what i've experienced that this league is not going to go anywhere I absolutely agree with you. I'm not insinuating anything. I was no, no. Asking, That's no. the best way I could have answered. I know there's it, that was a difficult question. I was kind of thinking, do I put you on the spot here? So, um, I mean, for what you offered, that worked. So, thank you for uh, your insight on uh, on that. And I know that was a tricky one to answer. So, um, Nick, I'll go off to you for a second uh, with regards to the status of the ECHL now, and knowing that. Uh, the Adirondack Thunder, as far as the Puck Authority has been told, has no intention of opting out before the season begins. So to that end, where are you right now? Have you returned to Adirondack? And if not, when are you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to go back to Adirondack before January 3rd. Uh, if everything is going as it is right now, uh, fingers crossed, hopefully that will be uh, the plan and hopefully we get to you know, get into Glens Falls, have a nice little camp and get ready for the season. Um, obviously, if that doesn't happen, we'll have to find a different situation. But, I mean, I'm, I couldn't be more excited to be a part of the Thunder and uh, part of the, you know, the, the Devils organization. Hopefully, uh, you know, if we do start to, you know, just to grow as much as I can in uh, my career and hopefully uh, get to play for a long time. Absolutely. And can you talk about your relationship with head coach Alex Lowe? Yeah, uh, Lozzie has been great in my, uh, uh, you know, my short tender with the team right now. He has, uh, you know, been very, very communicative and talked to all the team and never, you know, made me feel uncomfortable or that if I had any issues or questions, he was there to answer. I mean, obviously, he's, you know, my first professional coach, so I'll always uh, remember him and what uh, he has done for me so far, so I couldn't be... Uh, more thankful for that and um, hope to really get to know him a little bit more this year and hopefully we're uh, hoisting a trophy at the end of the year. Um, Nick, you know, um, unlike Kaylee, it's, it's, you have the, uh, in Adirondack, we tend to see a lot of players, you know, living together. Um, what's the, what? what's your motto going into the year with the whole COVID-19 um, pandemic going on? Is that still going to be able to happen um, this season or um, have you heard anything different on living arrangements? Uh, I haven't heard anything different on living arrangements. Um, I mean, obviously, if we're not going to play, I obviously we won't be living there. Um, but I think once uh, I think the date's November 30th, I think we're, that process will start, uh, you know, figuring itself out. I mean, obviously, I know a couple guys on the team, and just from my experience last year, we were all living in the, the townhouses together, and that was. Uh, it's pretty cool. It was, it was almost like school again, but you know we're playing professional hockey, and um, it's just nice to be around the guys 24/7. And obviously, these are the guys you're going to make great memories with, and hopefully, um, we're able to to do that this year. Um, I have a question. You know, in 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 college, um, it's always known as like the the, the party mindset. Um. When you're living with guys in the ECHL, what's the mindset there? Because I'm assuming you all have that goal of wanting to get to the AHL or wanting to get to the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right on the spot. Obviously, you know, it's a career now. And um, obviously, there are guys who 
decide to go both ways. Um, there's guys who are just doing it to do it, and then there's guys who are doing it to make a career and hopefully make that jump, as you mentioned, to the American League. And if you're lucky enough, you get that chance in the NHL. Um, I mean, I know I'm definitely I'm happy uh, to be in Adirondack, but I'm definitely not satisfied. I'm always going to continue to work day in and day out to make it to Binghamton or wherever it may be in the American League. Um, that's my goal is to try and you know just get better every day and um, enjoy the game as much as I can, but also realize that you know this is a this is a business and um, obviously you have to try and be your best and do your best to you know advance in your career. Um, and Nick, I, I'm sure Justin's going to touch on this as well, but um, you you're going to be playing at Adirondack, and you know your your younger brother Connor is going to UVM. Um. Do you think it's important that, you know, now you guys are a little close, you get to go to a few of his games, he may be able to catch your, 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 your games as well? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely love to see Connor play um, in his college career. Uh, obviously, being an Adirondack, I'm a little bit closer, and, and hopefully um, I can get an okay to go watch him. I don't know what the rules are with Vermont and uh, being in New York, so obviously we'll have to wait and see what goes on, but I would love to you know, get to watch him play. Obviously, I haven't watched him play in a couple of years um, with him being out in the BCHL. So uh, it would be a, it would be a really special thing for me to go watch him play at Vermont. Um, I have to ask, um, since you joined the ECHL and, you know, Kaylee's in the NWHL, do you guys ever get to see each other play? Um, I didn't get a chance to see Nick play because I was still playing when he got called up, but... Nick came to the uh, outdoor classic game in Buffalo because he, he was playing at Kenesha at the time. So that was really cool, especially a game like that because we had like a ton of fans and it was a huge event. Um, so Nick hadn't seen me. I don't even think he saw me play live in college, um, but I got to see uh, a couple of his games because um, they were the boys were quite back um, earlier than the girls did. So I got to see him a few times too. Um, but I, like I said, I went to school in Lake Placid, love the Adirondacks, so it's a perfect excuse to go up there to see him play too. So, um, again, it all depends on if they're allowing fans in and, you know, what the deal with that is. But, um, yeah, Nick got to see me play uh, last year, so that was really cool. All right, um, Kaylee. So, uh, Tyler Tuminia sat down with Broken Lindsay uh, on the Barnburner TV network just a couple nights ago. That was really entertaining, and I can tell you watched by your smile. Um, so that was, uh, you know, it's been thrilling to uh, have them on the network as I also work there. Um, and, you know, they had Digit Murphy on the week before, and super entertaining. Anyways, point being, uh, Tyler Tuminia said uh, on Sunday that uh, she's looking to add an infusion of fun into the season, among other products projects she's working on such as tv deals and all that admin stuff um and she noted that when she was working in baseball uh she had a couple odd promotions i'm not going to mention the really odd ones but one she said she had was a blackout night which um was probably the most normal of the odd ones um so to think about that infusion of fun into hockey whereas blackout might not work um you know is there anything that hits your mind as far as uh promotion nights go moving forward 
Yeah, I mean, um, my boyfriend actually played in the SPHL and uh, for the Pensacola Flyers, and they had so many cool theme nights. Like, I love Marvel Marvel movies. I'm like a big nerd in that way. So they had like Captain America jerseys, and then they would put them up for auction. So like everything, there was different jerseys. Obviously, it's more expensive way to do it, but that'd be really cool, even if it's just for one night. Um, like, I know, like, we've done it in the past in the NWHL for, like, LGBTQ games. They did rainbow jerseys, um, breast cancer. They've done pink jerseys. So um, I think that would be really fun and a cool way to um, entertain, you know, different fans, too. And obviously, everyone wants those really unique jerseys. So um, that'd be really fun to incorporate this year because we didn't get that last year. Right, and let's just say that in the event, and it's, it's, it sounds from sources I've spoken with very unlikely that this happens, but in the event there are no fans um, and trying to create some sense of fan engagement uh, from you know, the outside point, um, would it be odd to have cardboard cutouts in, this, in some of the seats uh, watching hockey? Because for baseball, it was weird, but I don't know if the hockey if it would be weirder, more normal, what do you think? Um, I mean, I'd probably be weird, <laughs> I would say. Um, but like, I don't know, I feel like I'm not really paying attention. Like, I feel like baseball, it's much easier to like pay attention in the stands. But with like our sport, it's so fast, like, you're either dying on the bench, because you just, you know, had a hard shift or you're on the ice and not really like seeing the fans where like baseball, you look out, like if you're in the outfield, all you see is all these fans in the stands. So I feel like it was probably more normal to see something in the stands for them. But for me, I don't think I would really pay attention. So I think it's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Nick, I, I, need, I, need, I need your opinion on this, seeing that you played in Adirondack and you know how crazy the fans are there. How we, how different and how weird would it be to see cardboard cut out at the cool insuring arena? Um, yeah, it would be a little bit weird. Obviously, uh, the fans in Adirondack bring great excitement and passion to the arena every night and obviously I only got a little taste of it and um, just like I said the support is uh, is second to none um, but I think it would be a little bit weird but just as Kiyomi mentioned uh, when you're you're in the game you're really not focusing too much on what's going on outside of the boards uh, you're just really focusing on what your job is and uh, what you're trying to do to you know win a game win a shift whatever it may be um so maybe like intermission wise, it'd be a little more quiet than usual. But um, yeah, I really don't see uh, a major difference. Obviously, we would love to have fans in the arena. Uh, like I said, for the excitement and the, the energy they could give a team. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, you know you're focusing on what your job is. Absolutely. And Kaylee, back to you. Um, we look at uh, another thing that Tyler Tumina is known for, again, being the sponsorship and marketing side, which she brings uh, to her role as commissioner of the NWHL now, or at least interim, which I expect to be removed uh, shortly. Um, so uh, that being said, uh, in addition to private ownership, both Toronto and Boston have a deal with Star Hockey to provide uh, sportswear and equipment. And it uh, looks like the sticks are just about ready to be shipped out, if not have already arrived to uh, those players. So what would it mean to uh, the Riveters to uh, get in on that uh, with, you know, sponsorship deals just like that? Yeah, I mean, it'd definitely be huge. Um, you know, I feel like in that sense, our team may have not have had, you know, a uh, similar experience to like even Minnesota and Boston last season. Um, you know, like they always came with like sick jackets that like 
just different people donate to their team um, or their like uh, the owners would give to them. Um, so I think that's definitely a step that needs to happen for the teams that aren't privately owned. Um, just in sense of, you know, feeling like you are a professional athlete. Um, and um, I think that that's definitely in the works and that's something that Ty and Danny are working on. Um, so although we don't have it right now, I definitely see that coming um, this season. So I'm looking forward to it for sure. I like all the free stuff. <laughs> Of course, and forgive me if I'm saying this wrong as I enter my next question. The Toronto Six also have a partnership with a clothing company called, I believe it's called Pieu de Loup. Uh, it's French, so I might be saying that wrong. Um, and anyways, so they've got 10% um, of all cuts from that going to Sick Kids Hospital here in Toronto. So uh, have the Riveters looked into doing something like that? Then to back end that question, um, you look at the NHL and you see that they have a certain dress code they have to enter the arena in and looking all sharp and fancy. Um, is the Riveters, have the Riveters considered, uh, like, is there a style that you guys have to enter in and have the Riveters looked into doing something like that? As you mentioned, the, you know, the free wear and whatnot. Yeah, so we, like on home games, we just, you know, get dressed up in, you know, business um, attire, um, you know, just like men show up in their suits for home games. And then our away games, we, everyone in the league got, um, you know, a sweatsuit or tracksuit from um, one of our league sponsors. So we would all wear that. So we would come in uniform. Um, and that was huge. Definitely just like for the professional aspect of it. Like, I feel like if you're, if you guys look sloppy, like coming into the rink, it kind of sets the tone for the game. So when we got that, that was huge. So it was just, um, we all had matching t-shirts, sweatshirts, and jackets. Um, and I'm sure that's coming again this season. And um, I'm sure once we figure out when we're, you know, really starting, um, we'll start seeing all, you know, the free stuff coming from the sponsors. Um, so I'm excited for that for sure. Absolutely. And again, it all, it's, an attribution to, um, you know, the hard work of Danny, Tyler, and the rest of the team to uh, put things like that together. And from my understanding, uh, Hyperice equipment has just arrived for the Riveters, um, which is uh, rehabilitation equipment for those who are watching. Uh, and so, you know, you've, it, it's starting to come. It's just, you know, you look at the volume of uh, stuff coming and, you know, it's it speaks to the success that the league is not only having, but will continue to have. So, um, you know, before I go back to Armand, I'll uh, ask you this. Uh, what does it mean to have, um, you know, backers such as Hyperice and, uh, you know, to make sure that you guys are entering and exiting games being as, you know, healthy and, you know, strong as you possibly can be? Yeah, it's definitely huge, especially, um, you know, a brand like that. Like, they are very successful. Their products are top of the line, very expensive. Um, so for them to give us pretty much anything that we wanted um, was really great. And we worked with our um, athletic trainer to find the best products to help with some common like aches and pains that hockey players have. Um, and, you know, with COVID going on now, like player safety and health is definitely a priority. And this just um, just goes to show how important that is to the league. Um, and our league sponsors. So um, getting that was definitely huge and it's gonna be huge for uh, post-game recovery, post-practice recovery, 
like we can sign it out and take it home with us so like tonight I'm gonna get one for my neck because I've been having weird neck pain so um probably all the stress from school but um I'm gonna use that to for the next week and then I just bring it back to practice when I'm done with it all right I'm, I'm good all right uh final question Kaylee uh, Kelly Babsock was traded to from the Toronto Six to the Metropolitan Riveters, uh, given an uncertain schedule uh, as part of COVID and border closures and uh, whatnot. And this is going to be your first time playing with Kelly. So, um, you know, I don't know if she's, a, I think she's a 10 to one or two skates, if not maybe more that I'm just unaware of. What's the experience been like since she's arrived and how has that changed uh, the environment or chemistry of the team? So I've only gotten uh, one practice with Kelly, um, but um, you know her presence is definitely known when she's there. Um, she's a super energetic player, um, very big personality, um, and fits in again perfectly with the ribs. If you just met me and Brooke, um, I'm sure I could show you a lot about you know how we are as people. Um, so she definitely fits in super well, um, and you can tell that she's a leader. Um, cares deeply about the sport um so she's definitely been a great addition for um the riveters for sure and i'm sure we'll be moving forward when we start playing games and i actually lied i have one more question what are your hopes going into this season um you know i think that our season didn't go the way we wanted to last year and i think we were definitely a stronger team than our record showed um and i feel like we were missing just a couple pieces and i think we have those missing pieces now um, so definitely just to, you know, bring the Isabel Cup home to New Jersey again, it's definitely due. Um, and I think we have the team to do it. So. And if you, had to, if you had to guess, who would you be facing in the final? Um, I don't know. It's really tough because all the teams are so even, I think this year in terms of, you know, talent. So I don't know who it's going to be, but we're definitely going to be there. So that's the one thing I can guarantee. I don't know who we're going to play. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like Connecticut is going to be way deadlier than we think. So I'm I'm going to go with that Connecticut Riv for the final. I think Armand agrees. They have a lot of uh, former UVM talent, which is something he's been following. So uh, you're second. I've been it. saying Connecticut's going to be a team to watch this year. They had a really bad year last year, but they're going to be one of the surprise teams this year that no one's going to expect, and they're they're going to have a good year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But when you look at the talent on the Riveters, I mean, you could say the same thing yourself. Sorry, Tinker, Kelly Babsock, Rebecca Russo has returned. Uh, and so maybe I'll actually And there. Rebecca Russo uh, took a year off to be with her uh, mother, who I believe was battling breast cancer. So uh, now uh, being back and uh, knowing that she's a key piece of Riveters hockey in the organization, um, you know, what is, you know, what does that mean to, you know, you and your teammates and have you had the chance to skate with her since she returned? Yep. Um, so I've actually been hung, uh, hanging out with Rizzo a couple of times last year, being like really close friends with Packer. Um, that's one of her best friends. So I've had a chance to meet her a few times before. Um, and she's just so speedy, um, which is huge to, you know, bring the compete level for our team. And another big personality um, fits in perfectly. Um, and she's definitely just a good teammate to have around. So um, and, you know, her mom is battling breast cancer, um, but, you know, she's still showing up and, um, you know, with positive attitude every time she's there. So I think that just speaks volumes about her character um, and her commitment to the team. So I'm really excited to have her. 
I think it's going to be a great season. So with that being said, Kaylee, Nick, thank you both so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank Hold up. Um, yeah, Kaylee, I have a question. Yep. Um, I had a lot of trouble reaching out to Ryan Smith uh, for my Adirondack Thunder newcomer series. Is there any way you could help me out? Yeah, yeah, I'll message him for you. Thank you. No problem. All right, so that does it for this episode of the Puck Authority Podcast. To Kaylee and Nick, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and so uh, before we let you guys go, Kaylee, where can you be found on social media? Um, on Instagram, and it's just at uh, Kaylee Hutchison 13. Nick? Uh, it's uh, Hutch double underscore 91. On Instagram. On Instagram. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you so much. So uh, for all of you watching, that's where you can find Kaylee and Nick uh, to follow along until the season begins, where you can see Nick on the new ECHL streaming platform for the season and Kaylee and the Rivers on Twitch. So uh, make sure you're following along with us on thepuckauthority.com for uh, a wrap-up article of this conversation. Uh, you can find myself on Twitter at JustinLevineHBS, uh, Armand at Aklisevich, and the Puck Authority itself at PuckAuthority1. Uh, until next time, we are trying to uh, book a very special riveter for the next episode. Um, we'll see uh, how things go. But uh, again, thank you both again for your time. And that does it for this episode. Um, any closing words, Armand? No, I'm All good. Right. Thank you. All right. Thank you both so much. And Thanks, guys. it's definitely our pleasure. All right. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Signing off.